All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, maybe we'll try that one more time. Maybe at home you said something, but I couldn't hear it. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good to see you. Why don't you grab a seat? It's uh, great to be with you this morning. Uh, welcome to everybody watching online. Great to see you, be together. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we're in for a great day today. If we haven't met, my name is Dean, part of the team here. And just great to have you with us. And, uh, and you're here on a great day. We are in a, a new series we kicked off last week. It's called DNA is what this series is called. And the idea is this series is all about understanding some of the ways God has created us, what he's kind of wired up into how he's made people. And when we lean into those things of how he's created us, uh, it's amazing uh, the, the way that allows us to really flourish in life. Uh, I was last week. Uh, now, a lot of people usually ask me, they say, Dean, when you're preaching, if you could just keep us updated as the season goes on the Cleveland Browns, we'd appreciate that. And so I always try to, you know, respond to feedback. And so I want to tell you a little, the Cleveland Browns, uh, your favorite NFL uh, football team and mine, uh, are sitting about four and three. I was at a game uh, last week, and I don't know if you know this. In fact, I'm willing to bet money that you don't. Um, there is, here in Perth, Western Australia, is the uh, Royal Perth Browns backers. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a backers, but so in the U.S. with the gridiron teams and some of the sports, there's these groups called the backers. And the idea is, suppose you grew up in kind of Cleveland area and you're a fan of whatever team, you know, in your city. Uh, you move to a different city, maybe you move uh, to, to L.A. or New York or something. The idea is you get together with all the other Browns fans in that area. So all the teams have them. But the Cleveland Browns have the most extensive network of this, of any sports team uh, over there. So here in Perth is the farthest on planet Earth backers group. Because it literally is about as far as you can get on planet Earth to create one of these groups. So I'm now a part. And uh, if you're interested in joining, just <laughs> shoot me an email. If you're thinking, I'd like to join the Royal Perth Browns backers, I don't even know what's royal about it, but I was amazed there's the word royal in it. Uh, and so it's pretty funny. And, and, I, and so you go, but the funny thing about it is, so I, I went and the group we met, because there was like a, a late night game on a Thursday night in the U.S., so it was Friday morning. So we all met up at uh, Varsity in Nedlands. And if you know it, it's kind of a sports bar, screens everywhere, big screens, that kind of thing. So we all meet there. They open it up for us at 8 in the morning. And so all, and, and here's what's wild. You walk into, I'm, I'm in Perth, Western Australia, but it's like I've left my house in Alkamos. And in a short while later, I'm stepping into a room and everyone in that room is wearing Browns gear. They're wearing jerseys and jumpers, every single person. And, uh, and so it's wild how suddenly it's like I've stepped into this whole other place. And then we get to chat. And the one thing that brings us all together is everyone in that room is a Browns fan. Not entirely dissimilar maybe than this room this morning. You know, <laughs> everybody's a Browns fan. Give me a shout if you're really up for the Browns. Okay, I thought that might be the case. <laughs> So you meet people, some are from the U.S. I, I met a guy this time who literally was from the next suburb next door to me. It was like I met a guy who had, he'd just gotten here to Perth, and he was from just literally the neighboring suburbs, even graduated high school the same year. It was hilarious. So, and then in the group as well, though, there's people that are just from, 
you know, from Perth or other parts of Australia. I always ask people, how did you end up liking this team? I kid you not. One guy told me, well, I'm a Dockers fan, and this seemed the closest equivalent. And so, <laughs> so you know, it's just that's. But what's amazing to me and what I want us to reflect on this morning, like, it's just kind of uh, part of the DNA, I hope you know this, of how God's created human beings is that human beings will always gather together around something. Now, I don't know if you realize that. It's not like an accident. But God has so created human beings that we are meant to gather with one another and there will always be different things that bring us together. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we've lived in a, a unique kind of, the last couple years, it's been wild with, you know, COVID and pandemic and people having to not gather at times. And that tension's been felt in all different ways. Sometimes, though, people have been like, you know what, because here's what we believe. Now, what's brought us together here? What's our common element? We have come today to gather in worship of God. And we share a common faith in who God is and in Jesus, his son, and, and who, what he's done for us and, uh, and how God's welcomed us into his family and given us his Holy Spirit. We, this is what draws us together. Now, some may be here today and you're like, I don't believe all that. I'm here because I heard they had good like burgers out there and someone told me if I came, I could have a burger. That's cool. And so I want you to know, welcome. And not everybody in this room is, is all yet there, but that is the thing that brings us together, and that's why we gather. And so, but what's, what's amazing, you know, the last couple of years, a lot of people have thought, you know what, maybe, maybe gathering or, or maybe even gathering for worship, maybe things will, will just become digital in the future, or maybe people will just, you know, uh, they won't do this anymore. I want to tell you something. One of the things you realize is people will always gather. You know, I'm stoked that people, if you're watching online, I, I love that we can now still connect and, and have a little bit of a different way to gather when coming in person is not possible for people, as it is for, for many often in different times or reasons, but it allows us to stay connected. But the reality is uh, it will never be replaced what it is to gather with other people. And you can... You can have it like shut down or stop for a little while as soon as it's able. Human beings, God's made us this way. But what I want to suggest to you today is that at the heart, there's lots of things we'll gather around, and that's good. Those are good things. But there is one thing that God has wired us up to gather around, and that when we actually lean into it, it is the thing that allows us to most flourish in life. And that is, in fact, gathering to worship. Now, we are all here in this space, and so you got here today, or you're connecting in online. Uh, what I want to speak to you about is a little bit in the scriptures about really understanding. I, we don't just do this because it's a, 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 a ritual or something that's just kind of, we want to sleepwalk our way through, though it is good to develop habits and things like that. But I, I want to just, I guess, re- uh, envision us around reminding this is why we gather so we don't slip into missing no this is what's at the heart of it does that sound good good if it doesn't tough luck it's what we're talking about I'm not changing it now okay <laughs> so I want you to turn with me if you like or up on the screens I'm going to read you a psalm psalm uh, 120 
122. I love this psalm. It's a psalm all about going to worship. Uh, it's a song that the people of Israel at this point in their history, the people of God, they would have sung this on their way to worship. How many people were singing on your way today in the car or walking or that kind of thing? Who was singing on their way? That's good. That's amazing. That's way more than I expected. That is way more. Some of you, some of your parents were singing things like, please be quiet and Lord, give me patience and oh, Lord, forgive me. Sorry. So whatever you were singing, uh, here's what they would sing on their way. And it gives us some great insight into what worship is about. Psalm 122 says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, this is where they would go to worship. Uh, it's built like a city that is closely compacted together. It sounds like my neighborhood. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Why do they go there? To praise the name of the Lord, according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. We're going to pause for a moment. So now this is a different cultural context, a different point in history. But what you have to understand is that this is, uh, David is writing this. They would go, because human beings always gather, they will always, doesn't matter, time, culture, distance, humans will gather and in their time, they would go to Jerusalem was like the place where you went. It was the city where, the, where the, they would go to worship together. And he's saying as we go there, uh, he's, he's kind of just celebrating this whole journey that we're going to go and we're going to worship God together. And we're going to the place. It's, it's a beautiful place. It's a special place. And, and it's, it's built well together. And, and it's part of God's plan. This is the picture they're painting. And the verses go on, this song continues. And it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. Jerusalem represents this kind of center place of worship and the presence of God. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For your sake. I will say, for, your, for the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your prosperity. I love this part of the psalm as well that reminds that the outcome of all this worship is going to be peace and blessing for the city and the people surrounding where they go to worship. Now, there's some things I want you to see here. If you want to ever dive a little deeper even into this particular psalm, uh, there's an, an incredible book, one of my most recommended if you want to grow in the journey of discipleship. It's called uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. And he has a whole chapter on this uh, particular psalm that's, that really just delves deep into understanding it in the heart of worship. Uh, so I just want to mention that to you, and it's certainly been influential for me, uh, and I encourage you in that. But what I love about this psalm is it, it points us towards some really important understandings of what worship is all about. You know, I love that it starts off saying, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of, of the Lord. Can I tell you, one of the things I want to encourage you, here's my hope today, here's my hope. You're going to really grab hold of a heart of worship, okay? I want to tell you right now, I believe what your heart wants most, what your life needs most is, is actually worship. And we're going to unpack why that is. But I'm hoping you're going to grab a little bit of a fresh a fresh hunger and thirst for what it is to worship with God's people. And he says, I rejoiced. 
Now, I, I hope you know this. When we gather, uh, and I hope you experience this, and I have people tell me this all the time, people especially if they've never been to church before, people who, who often, I've, I've had so many times people who'd never been to church before, not people of faith, and, and they say some version of everyone's so happy there. And, 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 and sometimes you might miss it if you come normally and maybe you see people you know and so you're like, people aren't happy here. But you don't realize how different the atmosphere here is sometimes when, when it's the water you swim in for a long period of time. People who've never been always comment on everybody's so happy and they're smiling. Because you know what, sometimes in the world, everybody's not always happy all the time. I've looked around, I've seen some unhappy people. We live in a world with some, you know, uh, where there's just some, I mean, you, you, can, you can feel a lot of sometimes anger in the world and frustration and people. And, but you know what? The idea of worshiping is supposed to be a place we come with great joy because it's such a good place to come. Can I tell you, if, if one of the things to stir in your heart sometimes is to go, you know what? Coming to gather in worship with God's people, that is something that brings me joy. This isn't something we just have to do for God. This is something we get to do. This is something that should bring us joy. Some of you who are parents and have little ones, can I tell you one of the greatest things you can imprint upon them is that coming to worship is something that makes you joyful and happy. It's somewhere good to go. And if you can, but that, you'll only pass that to your kids if you share that same joy. And so I can tell you sometimes the parents tell me, oh, my kids don't want to, you know, come to church or, or come to, to worship. And, and you know, with, without being harsh, sometimes it's helpful to kind of go, what's the attitude you're projecting when you come? Is it one of like, I love being here. We had just saw Carolyn being prayed for, her kids, Grace and Daniel. Can I tell you something? And you heard that 24 years they've been coming. And, and, and those kids, as they're older, I know that family. I remember when Daniel was like, you know, this tall in, 10 years ago. Maybe it was this, I don't know. He was somewhere between here and here, okay? But he loved. I can remember doing little jobs with him and setting down chairs and all those things because Carolyn imparted that to them. This is a good thing. This is a great place to go. I just want to encourage every parent out there. You know what I used to do when Levi was littler? Uh, and you may say this is a bad way to make your kids love going to church, but we would go to McDonald's afterward. You know, like the whole, if you start to associate, that's when I get to have a McDonald's. Well, that's a good place to go. Maybe that's bad. I don't know. But it works. He likes coming to church. <laughs> now, my point is, and maybe it's not, but when you actually go, this is just, it's a great day. This is somewhere special we go. It's something that's not, we don't do it every day. This is a special day. That is what it is to come to worship. And when your heart can overflow with, man, I'm rejoicing to go. You're in the right spot. Now, you may come in and you're like, I'm feeling heavy-hearted today. We all understand that, and we all go through different seasons. But the default setting of what it is to worship, oh, let it be rejoicing. Man, it's so good. You know, hey, you want to come to church with me? Yes, I want to go. What do you got on this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to worship. It's, now, what we're going to start to look at is and why is it so good? What is what is this doing? What does, we're going to sing together. You know, sometimes people are new to church. They're like, hey, that was really interesting. I've never done karaoke with that many people before. You know, like, <laughs> had that conversation as well. Like, that's really different. You know, there's not a lot of environments where that happens. You know, why is this? Can I tell you something? And there's all kinds of ways to 
worship. It's a big, broad word. But when you look at what uh, the scripture is and what you'll always see throughout the history of the people of God, what you see in this very psalm, this is people singing together even on the way, worship always involves, and for some really key reasons that we'll see, it always involves singing joyfully to who God is. And and so what, what I want us to understand is why is this such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal that we gather like this and we, and we sing together and, and we open up God's word together? Why, why do we do this? Well, worship does some really important things. Uh, now, actually, I want to do something first. Do we have a whiteboard? Um, I think there's going to be one that's going to come. You look at these curtains and you're like, what's going to happen back there? I don't know. You're like, Dean, maybe you should just plan ahead and just, you know, work this stuff. Look at this. Look at this. Give Ryan a hand. He just oh, delivered the... Whiteboard out of nowhere. Okay, here's what, what I want you to see. Uh, this is, I hope, helpful, but we'll just kind of see. Um, yeah, how many people know you can divide the world into two kinds of people? Uh, the kinds of people who like lists and the kinds of people who don't. Is that right? I don't know. Uh, now, we all know people always make up different things for that, you know, two kinds of this, that. I'm going to try and divide the whole of creation into two categories, okay? Is that good? Here is everything and all of creation that exists is divided into one of two sides. Uh, on this side, uh, we're going to call it, um, we're going to call it uh, creator. We'll put creator. There is uh, that which creates. Everything on this side of the category is eternally self-existent. The source of life itself can create out of nothing. Uh, and, and owes its existence to no one else. So on this side, we have, as you may have guessed, we have exactly one who falls in this list. Okay, is that right? Does that seem appropriate? Uh, if you're a person of faith, we'd say there's God. There is one eternally self-existent, all-creating being. And from whom all things live, in whom all things live, move, have their being, from whom all things have been created. So over here is God. Everything else in the world is what we're going to call created. Everything else is created. Is that, we're following the track here, right? Now in this is, we're going to put uh, people. Look at that. And this is why uh, God's the creator. Because that's the best I could do. <laughs> I can do this. I can make a stick man. You know, he's like DNA and all this stuff, you know. So, over here is, is God. It's created things. Also over here are all of the good things that are part of the world we live in. You know, I mean, we'll maybe draw, here's planet Earth, you know. Here is, uh, here's Cleveland. <laughs> Down in this corner is the Royal Perth Brownsbackers. Look at that. Earth, what a beautiful place, you know. He made that. There's, you know, there's the, the sun. I just want to draw a bit today, really enjoying this. Anybody like Bob Ross? Who knows Bob Ross? He's been on uh, SBS lately. It's pretty cool. Anyway, he's a great painter. We're going to draw a little happy son. Lives right here. Um, and, uh, and then there's other things. We're going to put a little heart. That symbolizes relationships. There's love in the world. God's created human beings to have relationships and connection. Uh, we'll draw uh, here. We'll draw... Um, a house that maybe just symbolizes, you know, you see, God, the way God creates is like this. He creates, fancy word for his ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. So God is the only being who can actually just create in the, 
the genuine sense of that word of making something out of nothing. But then human beings also, made in God's image, uh, exercise a form of creating. We don't make stuff out of nothing, but we take the raw materials God's given us and we make stuff. And God, that's good. That's how God's created us to do it, to, to make houses. You know, in Jeremiah, he talks about, you know, settle down, build homes, seek the welfare of the city. All these things are good things that we do. There's, uh, I'm going to put a dollar sign. In this world God's created, there's, there's things like currency, money that we use to, to, to uh, you know, in our culture and context to buy the things we need and to exchange. I do this and you do that, and then we exchange things so that we can all have what we need. Uh, so all these things are a part of the world that God has created. Now, when God created people, he ima- the, the relationship flows like this. You can see... God is up here. Human beings are lower. And we're going to call this, we'll call this dynamic where God is the one who is at the top. God is the one who is most worthy. God is, we're going to call that connection or that uh, relationship worship. When God created human beings in the Garden of Eden, if you're not familiar with the story, he basically says, here, I've made you, and I want you to enjoy all of this, look after it, and all these things, but there's just one thing, uh, don't eat, you can do anything you want, except don't eat from this tree. Uh, why not eat from the tree, but, and can try and wonder about that forever, but the point is, God is saying, will you obey me? Will you understand that I'm God, I understand things you don't, will you live under me? And, and so, Human beings, though, the story is, you can do anything but not, and humans go, not, I don't want to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. I don't want to be underneath you, God. I want to be up here. I'll do things my way. That is what effectively sin does. It's not recognizing God is our creator and, and worshiping him. It's, letting, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of sometimes elevating ourselves. Other times it's also starting to worship instead uh, other things. So here's what, here's the point of all this that I want you to get. The, the nature of how uh, the scriptures uh, help us understand what's gone wrong in this world is that everything has gone wrong because uh, human beings don't want to worship God as God. Jesus said, here's how you pray. It starts with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are the one. It's all about you. And when we start to, when we reframe our lives, we no, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not about me. I'm saying, God, you are worthy to be God. You are the one who has created all things. You are the one who gives us life and breath, and you are good, and you love us, and I want to actually surrender to your will and your ways. That's what starts to bring life back into order. When we try to do things our way and say, my will be done, everything gets thrown off. Now, the last part of this and I, and I hope this will, will be helpful for you, but is realizing that when this relationship gets kind of broken and worship is broken, what tends to happen is this. As human beings, because we are not in this side, we are not eternally self-existent, we, are not, uh, we owe our whole being to God who created us. Augustine has this famous saying, you may have heard it over the years if you're a person of faith, that God, you have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And the idea, what he was getting at, was God has made us 
to worship him. He's actually made us for this, to worship him, to love him, to know him. Life is about, Jesus says, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, loving your neighbor as the overflow of that. Life is about loving and knowing God. And when that's right, everything else goes right. But what happens instead of loving God, our restless hearts often start pulling us towards things like, you know, houses, you know. And, and, and houses, and I don't mean it's good. Everyone has to have a house. It's not, not, but when I say houses, I mean let's just use it as a, a symbol of success. We start thinking, okay, I, if only I can achieve this. If only I could get to that house. If only I could get to this thing. And it starts to become our heart, instead of being drawn towards God is most important, our heart could be drawn towards, let's just say, success is what's most important. You know, have you ever heard the phrase, oh, that person, like, uh, dropped everything at the altar of success. It's a way of saying they sacrificed their family, they sacrificed their, their, uh, their health at times, the rhythm of their life, because there's this, and even in culturally people say at the, they worship at the altar of success. The idea is success becomes that which is most important. Can we imagine that? This happening? Uh, how about, you know, uh, money? Money is something, our heart, which was built to draw towards God, it starts to draw towards, towards money and, oh, if only I had this much money or this much in my super or this much of that, then I could feel secure or then again I could feel successful or then again I could have that which I want, whatever. But our hearts start to draw towards these other things. What about, uh, you know what can happen in our culture? Sometimes, let's say house even as, as, as family. All of life in some senses in our culture, it can all start to revolve around everything's got to be about, let's say it's a, a young family, it's all about the kids and, and it's all about that's what's most important and, and everything else needs put to the side. Kids, are, as parents, of course we love our children, but can I tell you something? If you live for your kids, you will frustrate them and yourself because kids are not in this category. They, we can't make everything revolve around them. Just like we can't make everything revolve around ourselves. Life is meant to revolve around God. He's the only one who's worthy of our worship. Worship, worship, I'll write the word, is all about this idea of what is worthy. What is most valuable. That's what you worship. What you make of most importance in your life. Now, the thing about uh, worship is we live our lives, you know, in and amongst all this created stuff. And do you know what happens all throughout our weeks? Do you know what happens uh, throughout our days? We, are, we live in a world that is always pushing us and almost shaping us to make what is most valuable some of this stuff. Family, work. Money, success, achievement. These are the, the narratives all around us. Now, I'm going to call this stuff over here just so we don't get confused. I'm not saying that any of those things, family, money, success, are bad things. Please do not walk out and be like, he said success is bad. You know, <laughs> he said family's bad. You know, no. Everything over here, as God created it, when it's not broken, they are good things. They are good things. The challenge of the human heart is not distinguishing between what's bad and good. That's kind of the easy one, and we mostly know that. The challenge is we are always tempted to make good things into God things. 
We're tempted to take these things that are good, that God's made for our benefit, and they are great and wonderful when we understand them properly. But we tend to want to elevate them to too high a place of value to the point we're worshiping them. Our whole lives become centered on them. Everything starts to go to side. So this is the water we swim in all throughout our weeks. And so why does it matter so much we gather together in worship? Because what we do when we come and gather is we come together and we say, I will, I will rejoice to go to the house of the Lord and be reminded that there, you know what, whether these things are going good or whether they're going bad this week, I will be reminded that life is not about those things. It's about God. And he's still on his throne. And he is good. And when I worship him, when I get this relationship right, where I don't, I'm not trying to be God. I'm not trying to say my will be done. Everything. I'm saying, God, your will be done. And I love you, God. And I want my heart not to gravitate towards, towards money and success or fill in the blank, relationships, whatever. When we can get that right and say, no, God, I want my heart to gravitate towards you. What happens is all these other things fall into their right place. I love at the end of that psalm, it's like, we're going to go, we're going to worship God. And then it prays all for the peace of the city because when you actually worship God, it allows you to now go and bring blessing all around you. So what worship does, and now I'm using it in its specific sense, what's happening in Psalm 122, what we see the people of God always doing, what has happened for centuries and millennia since the beginning of the church, believers gathering to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, to share words of encouragement with one another. Why believers always done this and always will? Because it's what allows us to actually worship God and value him above all else. And when we do that, everything else finds its place. You know, one of my favorite phrases uh, for it's from an author, James uh, K.A. Smith, he calls worship, I and mean, he means this kind of corporate gathering, the gathering to, to sing songs to God, the gathering under God's word. Do you know what we do today? He calls it the imagination station for the Christian life. Because what it does is it, it allows us to stop and to reimagine and be reminded that this is what life is about. It allows us to not get so caught up and swept up in the rhythms and the pushes and the pulls of the life as we go through it, but to actually always step out of that current, that flow that we're walking in, and to step out and say, God, remind me, this is who you are. I mean, how many people have had a week where you just feel like, God, are you even there? Man, I have. And do you know what, though? When I step sometimes out of those circumstances and back into the community of faith and I lift my voice and my song and my heart and I'm reminded, no, God, it, thank you that you are still on your throne. Thank you that the stuff I thought maybe was insurmountable, thank you that I can be reminded, you know what, there is more to life than what I'm facing right now. It's an imagination station. You know, when we sing, you know, it doesn't just, and people can, you know, well, I don't, I don't like to sing and that's not my thing. And uh, what I want you to realize is that like, being, we can be uncomfortable with singing around other people. Believe me, I, I get that. You know, if you've been in our church while, well, you know this. Like, you'll never hear me singing into a microphone. Um, 
And, and, and there's a reason for that. We still hope you'll want to come back one day, okay? That's just like talk about kind of killing the vibe. Like I can't sing. So I get that, you know, you can feel awkward or uncomfortable, like your voice isn't good enough and you don't sound like some of the amazing people who lead us from the front. But worship is not about what's happening on the front. Every one of us is a worship leader when we step in here. And, and we can choose to lift our voices. And as you do that, and as I do that, together we encourage one another. Together we, we find words and language which restore our imagination, which restore our vision for what life is about. And, and, and we bring to God that which he is asking of us, which is worship. Jesus is not like, hey, I'll, I'll be here and you be there and we'll be like, you know, buddies on this journey. There's a sense for sure in which we understand friendship with God. But we can't ever forget there is a distinct difference between God and us. God is not just our, uh, he's not just our life coach. He's not just our friend, our co-pilot. He is God. He's the one who created it all. And you will find peace and you will find restoration and you will find renewal when you are reminded that he is God and he is worthy of praise. And you'll start to rejoice to go to the house of the Lord. And you realize that this is a good thing to come and to gather for worship. What your heart needs and wants most, because it's what you were created for, is to worship God. Sometimes people can feel like, well, we know, uh, you know, we, we, sometimes people say, you know, gathering like this, wow, Christian, we need to be out there, we need to be in the world, we need to be... Uh, you know, making change, or uh, sometimes people use this phrase, and they say the church needs to get beyond the four walls of the church. And, and they can use that as a way, or you may have think, you know, that's why it doesn't matter if we come in or do something like this. We need to be beyond the four walls of the church. Uh, and now, can I, I just want you to know, uh, that is absolutely true. If this was it, we would be missing the point. But this happens so that we can go out and represent God well in the world. People sometimes say, well, the church needs to get beyond the four walls. I guarantee you that by 1230 today, our entire church will be outside these four walls. And if you're still here at 1230, you'll be asked to leave and go outside the four walls. So do not ever mistake that somehow we think this is the thing. And if we just, but what we do think is the thing is that the more people who restore the relationship of worship to the creator, the more God's love and peace begins to rule in our world, as you see at the end of that psalm. The more we can say, you know, let there be peace in our city. Let, the, let people be reunited. Because, because we're beginning to put God back where he belongs. And when he, we worship him, everything finds its right place. Now, what we're going to spend some time doing together is going to be worshiping God now. And, and when I say worship, there are, and, and every time you talk about worship, people say, well, I worship God, you know, when I'm out. Uh, a lot of people say, and, and I'll say this as well, I, I worship God well when I'm out maybe in nature and I'm in his creation. And that is good. Uh, and other people like, I worship God when I'm doing this particular activity or maybe when I'm alone in the car, all those things are good, and they matter, and they are good. But there is a sense in which God has just created human beings to gather and worship him in song. Some people during COVID are like, you know, maybe church as we know it is done around the world. Maybe it's just people will connect online. 
Uh, can I tell you something? Here's how I know. Church, church, if you will, in the sense of gathering for worship, has changed almost not at all since the time of David. I mean, this, we're talking four or 5,000 years ago in the, an entirely different culture, a different time in history. And at the end of the day, being the people of God has always meant let's gather together and let's sing to him. And let's get around the scriptures and let's, be, and let's pray and then let's go back out into our world. And, and I don't know if you've ever worshipped in different countries or cultures. I've been to gatherings for worship in, in Cleveland, Ohio, as we know. <laughs> and in, uh, you know, I've been in, in China, in Israel, in the Middle East, in Africa, and all these places we think, man, the world's so different and people are so different. At the end of the day, it's so similar. And, and sure, style changes. People might sing certain songs here or certain songs there or some places are more expressive than others. Or, but the, the, honestly, if you really look, you're like the differences are negligible in the big picture of life. What you have is human beings gathering to lift voices and hearts and worship. And when that happens, it's amazing how it, it, re, it, it restores and refreshes and renews and reminds people that there is a God there's a creator and he's still on his throne and he still loves you and he's still for you and sometimes that's what we actually need it's not all those other things and the good things but they're not enough life's about worshiping God and so we're going to spend a little time in fact I'm going to invite you to stand I'm going to ask for the whiteboard to go because it'll kill the vibe that won't help I don't know if there's whiteboards in heaven but here's how Last thing I'll say, here's how, uh, not the last thing, to be honest, I'll probably keep talking for a while, but. But one of the ways that we know it, it, it's not going anywhere. Do you know in the scriptures, in the book of Revelation, it, it paints pictures for us. It paints pictures of the future. And sometimes people get all caught up trying to figure out everything that's in that book. And I think, you know, if you ever try and do that, you'll go crazy because people have been disagreeing about it for 2,000 years, they always will. But what it does give us are some, some big pictures we can actually understand. And one of the pictures in that is that one day when, when there's a new heavens and a new earth and God's presence is reunited the way it was always meant to be with his people, it just gives us these pictures of a tribe too numerous to count, too many people to even count. And they're from every tribe, tongue, and nation, from all those countries of the world and all those times in human history as we've known it so far. And it says they're all going to gather around the throne and they're going to just, they're just going to lift their voices and worship. And they're going to sing things like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're going to sing things like, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And they're going to sing. This is, not, it's just part of how God's created you. And, and to become a person who just really goes, you know what, this is, this, this is what I, I want you to know. If you can live in line with that, that's your DNA. God has made you to worship. And the more we live in line with how God's created us, the more we flourish as human beings. And as human beings who can now go into our families and our workplaces and our schools and our communities and our neighborhoods and flourish because he is restoring and renewing us. So as we sing today, here's what I want to invite you to do. Let's sing together. Let's rejoice to go to the house of the Lord. In fact, right now, give somebody a high five next to you. Give them a high five and be like, yo, we are going to worship today. This is good. What we're doing is good. Man, you've maybe been through a tough week. Be reminded he's still there. 
You've maybe been through a great week. It's been all success this week. Be reminded, there's so much more to life than that success you're experiencing. We're gonna be reminded, oh, he's so good. God is so good. He's so big, he's so loving, he's so for you. And we're gonna encourage each other by lifting our voices to him. And, and as we meet with him, he is present. His word says he inhabits the praises of his people. His presence will be here with us. So let's praise him out loud because that's how he will be present within our praises. It's an amazing reality. And whenever you step into the presence of God, you cannot help but be transformed by his presence. It's just a principle. And so we don't do it coming saying, God, I want to do this so I get something. But the reality is if you will come and offer the one thing you can today, which is your worship, you will be transformed as you meet with God in this space. So let's, I encourage you, you know what, as we sing sometimes as well, Jesus always says, my house will be a house of prayer. One of the things to do as well is to pray. Sometimes when the music's going, you know, sometimes to stop just singing those words and just use it as a time to pray personally. This is what God's doing in my heart. Let me pray into that and out of that. Sometimes on a Sunday in worship, you got to just confess some things. Say, Lord, you know, I, I know this week I've, I actually, I was, I was more about that thing than I was about you, and I'm sorry, and I want to be reminded today. We don't confess things to make us feel bad. We do it because it cleanses us and refreshes us and renews us. Maybe you just will find yourself wanting to give more thanks and praise and articulate those things to it. But as we worship together, don't just think I'm going to make sure I get through all these lyrics or things like that. Just step into a space of worshiping, praying, praising, lifting, listening, confessing, asking, requesting, all those things. Let's worship. Let's know he's here. You know, this first song, it's called Leave Me Astounded. And I, I love the beginning of it because it's going to talk about, you know what, actually, I want to I wanna move away from some of the things that we're tempted to worship or to elevate in our lives. I want to lay some of those things down, and I want to be reminded once again of who God is. Let me pray to kick us off as we start this morning. Lord, we thank you for who you are. And I want to pray in a really simple way that you might refresh and renew our hearts as we worship you today. May we meet with you in this space. And may more than anything, our worship be pleasing and honoring in your sight. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 